welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Happy Mother's Day. Can everybody hear me? You know, one thing, as the three of us were sitting up here that I was just thinking about and and with John just being up here, one thing this family has learned is that when things go wrong or plan A seems to not work, we jump right into action and plan B becomes the new plan A, whether it's in our personal lives with sickness or disease or financial troubles, marriage problems, um, church problems, plan B can always be amazing. So here we are. Um, We're going to talk a little bit today. I'm going to start out. Now, most of you probably know that one of my favorite um, topics to talk about is the eagle story, you know, based out of the the scripture in Isaiah 40. Um, But there's some things about the story of eagles that I've not really gotten into too much. And so today I'm going to get into it and I'm going to relate it to mothers. There's some interesting things about mama eagles. And um, so we're going to talk about that today. Now, dads, you don't get off the hook here because really, dads, you have a very important part to play. But since today's Mother's Day, we're going to mostly talk about the mama eagle. We have a lot of mama eagles in here. Amen. Um, So let me just read you a couple things about mama eagles, and then I'm going to relate it to to us as moms. Uh, In the story here, it says that when a mother eagle builds her nest, she starts with thorns, broken branches, and sharp rocks. But then she lines the nest with a thick padding of wool, feathers, and fur from the animals she's killed. Everybody say, ugh. (laughs) Making it soft and comfortable for her babies. Us mamas like things comfortable for our babies, right? It says, the young birds minimize their risk of injury and exercise while in the nest until they are strong enough to become airborne by imitating their parents to use their wings in real flight. Young eagles learn by imitating the parent eagles. So everybody say imitating. Imitating. Yes, the babies imitate the parents. Once the young eagles are flying, they still have a lot to learn before they can survive on their own. And here's my favorite part, so all you mamas will appreciate this. It says the young eagles will fly away from the nest as they learn to hunt and as they um, and as they return to the nest, even when they get older, um, after they leave home, they will return from time to time, and the mother eagle will feed them. <laughs> so, amen. amen. Yes, I love it when my family comes over. It's one of my highlights is when the kids and grandkids come over to eat, and so even the eagles do that. Okay, so moving right along, it says by the time the growing birds reach flying age. The comfort of the nest makes it quite reluctant for them to leave. That's when the mother eagle begins to stir up the nest. She begins pulling up the thick carpet of fur, the feathers, and bringing forward the sharp rocks and the branches to the surface. As the more of the bedding gets plucked out, the nest becomes more uncomfortable for the young eagles. Then the mother eagle will actually push the babies out of the nest. So that's kind of the title of what I wanted to title today is preparing for the push. As mamas, we have to spend time preparing our kids for the push. 
there comes a time they get pushed out of the nest. That's why we call it the empty nesters, right? When our kids all leave home, we have an empty nest. And it's because the mamas pushed them out of the nest. But that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So one of the things that the eagles do, the mama eagle will teach their kids um, how to start flapping their wings and they'll jump from a, to a, a little distance to a branch and then pretty soon they'll go to a farther away branch. And what the mama eagle is doing is she's teaching and she, she's training her babies. Okay, so you see kind of a correlation here. So um, the parent's job is to prepare the kids for the push. We can't always make it comfortable and easy on our kids. There comes a time they have to learn some things on their own. So in Proverbs 22, 6, out of the New King James, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The Passion Translation, it says, Dedicate your children to God, and point them in the way that they should go, and the values that they have learned from you will be in them for life. Out of the Living Translation, it says, Teach a child to choose the right path, and when he's older, he will remain upon it. So parents, mamas, it's our job to teach and to train our children in the direction they're supposed to go. They're supposed to be imitating us. So some of the most important things that I believe that we're supposed to teach and train our kids, and we did do, we did do a pretty good job. I'm sure there's things we could have done better in all these areas. But your kids need to see you and imitate you going to church. Amen? Um, the word imitate, it means to copy and to follow. So I just want to say to the parents, uh, you need to be teaching your kids to follow you and copy you and go into church. If you're staying home because you have a headache, if you, if you say, no, I want to mow the lawn today, if you find excuses not to go to church, your kids will copy you, they will imitate you, they will follow you, and when they grow up, they're going to find excuses to not go to church. Another area is um, they should see you praying. Parents, you need to be praying in front of your kids. You need to be praying in the Holy Ghost. You need to be doing your devotions. You need to be dancing around in the Holy Ghost. I mean, your kids need to see you do this. One thing we did when our kids were little is uh, before they could leave for school, we did our devotions. And we sat around the kitchen table, and every day we took turns reading our devotion for the day. Then we prayed, and then we prayed in tongues. And then there were actually times we'd get up and we'd dance around in the Holy Ghost. Because that's what we wanted our kids raised and trained how to do. Amen. Um, they should see you reading your Bible. If your kids see you reading your Bible, they're going to know the importance of reading their Bible. Um, what, you, what movies you watch, what TV shows you watch, what magazines you're looking at. Your kids are going to imitate you. And they're going to do what you do. So those are just a few of the things. Um, there's a scripture... Um, let me see if I can find it here. Like John said, um, I'd given it to the, the overhead. It's in Ephesians, and it talks about um, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example, as well-beloved children imitate their father. And out of the message, it says, Watch what God does and then do it, just like children will learn proper behavior from their parents. I've got to let you know, the public school systems are not going to teach and train your kids. That's right. 
the movies they watch are not going to teach and train your kids not to do godly things and not how to follow the leading and the promptings of God. Amen. You're responsible for teaching and training your kids, just like the mama eagle teaches and trains her kids and then pushes them out. Um, your kids need to see you putting God first in everything you do. If you make a mistake, you apologize. If you, um, you know, they just need to see you put God first in every area. If someone's sick, they need to see you praying for them. They need to see you put God first in everything. Um, so let me tell you just a, a couple things here that I believe are very, very important. We're going to be discussing, and I'll let these guys talk here in just a minute. Um, but one of the most important areas that I believe, probably the most important area that we need to teach and train our kids to imitate us in is how to hear from God, how to follow the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Nowadays, do you know it could be life-saving for your kids? Know where to be at in school, where to be at if, in the lunchroom, uh, where to go shopping, where, when to go to the mall, when to go to a movie. I mean, our kids need to be able to hear the voice of God. And that's part of that teaching and training that you need to do so that when they do get pushed out of the nest and they're out there on their own, they still know how to hear from God. It's one of the most important and greatest things we can teach our kids. There was a time we made all the decisions for our kids. When they were little, we made the decisions. But, you know, as they got older, we started stepping back a little bit. They would come to us, and they'll give some examples here, but they would come to us and maybe say, um, oh, I want to go see a certain movie, or I want to go over to so-and-so's house and spend the night. And there came a time we didn't say yes or no anymore. What we did was we said, you go in your room, you pray for a while, pray in tongues for a while, um, find a scripture if there is one about this, and then you'd be led by the Lord yourself. And we started giving them, giving them those little pushes. You know, a mama eagle, when she pushes her, her babies out the first few times, she pushes them out and they just start falling towards the earth. And they start trying to fly. And then she'll swoop down and pick them up before they hit the ground. And then they'll do it again. There are several pushes that she does. But there comes a time that's that final push. And they'd better fly or they're going to die. Well, as parents, we need to be pushing our kids out, be there to pick them up if they're going to crash and make a mistake, allow them to, to learn and, and maybe make a few mistakes, be there for them. But then there comes a time they're on their own. They're adults. They have to make their own decisions. So go ahead. Who's going to share first? Well, so I'll share the first time I remember as a kid hearing the voice of God. Um, and it's not a fun story to tell. I was pretty young at the time and we were on a vacation um, to another place in Colorado and we were shopping at little local stores and I saw this little ring that had a dolphin on it and I really really liked it and so um, my parents bought me that ring and then I remember a little while later we were staying somewhere else and we were at a hotel and I had the ring on my finger and I was getting ready to take a shower and I remember the Holy Spirit telling me that I should take off the ring because it was too big because I was pretty little at this time um, but I didn't do it. And so I'm in the shower. And so what happens? The ring slides off my finger, goes down the drain. And this drain had a huge opening. The ring falls through. And we're in a hotel. There was no getting that ring back. And I was so sad about it. But what was really cool was the Holy Spirit reminded me that he had told me to take it off. And I didn't listen. And it was such a big lesson at such an early age for me to realize, wow, the Holy Spirit tried to save me from feeling sad about losing my ring. And so that's the time that I really remember the first time hearing the voice of God. 
Um, another story that I have, um, and this goes to show you how much it can not just affect you personally, but how it can affect someone else. So when I was in high school, um, I had a really good friend and she scheduled her birthday party on this one Saturday. And so I told her I was gonna go. And then not long after that, our youth group decided to plan an out of town trip that same day. And I was super active in my youth group and I was not the one to miss a youth group outing. Um, and so, but I told my friend, and so I kind of told her like, hey, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it to your party. Uh, Cause you know, I have something else going on. And my parents told me, they're like, you really need to pray about this. Uh, I'm pretty sure they wanted to tell me, no, you're going to the birthday party because that's what you committed to, <laughs> but they didn't do that. It was one of those situations where they said, you need to pray about it. I was 15 years old at the time. And so I prayed about it and I really felt like the Lord said, you need to go to that birthday party. I kind of didn't want to go to the birthday party as much as I wanted to go hang out you know, with the youth group out of town at this fun trip. Um, but I went to the birthday party. And this was this girl's sweet 16 birthday party. And I was the only person that showed up. Can you imagine what would have happened if I hadn't listened to the voice of the Holy Ghost and I hadn't gone to that birthday party? No girl should experience her sweet 16 alone at a party by herself. And so I was so thankful when I got there, just in my heart at 15 years old, just that sense of knowing, wow, I did the right thing. I heard from God. My parents didn't force it on me. Um, it just, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. And for that girl, and I'm sure she was still sad that maybe some others didn't come, but at least I did go. And then, so I was so thankful for that. And then just the final story that I'll tell is um, going to Bible college. Um, it was kind of maybe assumed that someday I would go to Rama Bible College. Um, and I remember my senior year getting ready to start filling out the applications and things like that. And let me tell you, my parents did not help me at all. Like they didn't talk to me about it. They didn't print the applications for me. And here I thought, like my parents would want me to go to Rama Bible College. Like this was their dream for their daughter to go there. And they were like silent on it. And it was kind of weird. I was kind of like, why on earth are they not helping me with this? Aren't they like excited that I finally decided to go there? Um, and so I had to do it all myself. I had to fill out all the paperwork myself, get it mailed out, all of this stuff. And I remember feeling kind of like hurt almost by the fact that my parents didn't seem as supportive in it. And what I realized later was that it was such a big decision to move out to another state on my own. And I was such a homebody. I was such a mama and daddy's girl. And I love the church here. And um, if they had done all that for me when I went there and things got challenging, it might have been easy for me to say, oh, that was just mommy and daddy's dream for me. Um, but I had to find out inside of me that, no, this was what God had planned for my life. And so when those challenging times came, because they come to all of us, um, and when I was finally out of the nest, I was able to realize I was right where I was supposed to be because I heard from God. And it was what I was supposed to do with my life. And did it please my parents? Absolutely. But I was really glad that they kind of gave me um, the choice to hear from God in that and that they didn't overly push it. Um, and they, they made me do the work. I really appreciate it looking back on. So those are just a couple stories cool. about hearing from God. So. Mm -hmm. Do you have any stories? Well, uh, I guess I got a story about uh, when I was a little kid and I didn't listen to God. <laughs> I guess you find out that, you know, God talks to your parents <clears throat> just like he talks to you. But um, when I was a young kid, um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were a thing. And um, my parents, they, did, they didn't really want me um, watching or interacting because at that time that was, you know, they're ninja, they're kind of rebellious, they're kind of having a bad attitude, violence with the ninja stuff. We, not a lot was known about it, right? But at any point, I was a little kid, and they said, no, you're not supposed to do Ninja Turtle stuff. 
Well, I had a friend um, who said one day, hey, um, the Ninja Turtles are going to be at Blockbuster. This is back when Blockbuster used to be at Eastgate City Market down there on North Avenue. And um, they said they're going to be there live. They're going to be there in person. Do you want to go? And I was like, oh, I really do. And, uh, you know, even a little kid, a little voice in my head said, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. But what I did is I uh, went to parents and I was like, hey, can I go spend some time hanging out with my friend at his house? And they said, sure. And uh, so I went to my friends and, and I said, all right, let's go. And they said, your parents said you can go? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I went and I saw the Ninja Turtles and, um, you know, I didn't tell them about it, but I think God did because they came to me and uh, found out about it. So not only did I uh, get in some trouble because I didn't listen to God, but then God kind of tattletailed on me um, and told them about it. So lesson learned yes, from a young age. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember one time Isaac went, um, wanted to go to a movie, and we told him to pray about it and see if God, what God said. And it was a movie we would have said no to, and I don't even remember what it was. And so he went with his friend to the movie, and then later um, he came home and he was like, um, no, God didn't tell me to go. I shouldn't have gone. It was a bad movie, and then he had nightmares afterwards. And so, yeah. I'll tell you, one of the... it's. It's a hard thing growing up to have a, have your parents say, um, what do you say, follow your heart. Yeah. Say, follow oh your gosh. heart. Or like, oh, yeah. no, don't say that. Just tell me no if you want me. But they, they, left, it, they left it up to us a lot of times to yeah. follow your heart. As soon as they said follow your heart, I'm like, oh, man, that means all the responsibilities on me now. Yeah, yep, that's exactly what they were saying. I remember one time we would be driving to school, and um, this is when Isaac was already in a different school. And if we were running kind of late, I would, you know, I'm pretty much a stickler for the speed limit and um, pretty conservative driver. And Rachel would be like, Mom, can you go faster? Can you go faster? And I'd be like, I'm driving as fast as my heart will let me. <laughs> and then every once in a while she'd be like looking over at the speedometer. Are you driving as fast as your heart will let you? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right. Tell me one time where you're at the back of the car in Denver. Oh, the Holy Ghost. The, when I would pretend to be the Holy yeah. Ghost. So yeah, so <laughs> surprise, surprise, I would try to work this to my advantage. Um, so yeah, as because yeah, my parents would say, you know, we got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so I remember we were on, I guess in Denver, and I did this multiple times. So uh, I was, yeah, four or five, I was young. Um, and so, and again, because we prayed about everything, like where we would go, all of those things. And so um, I wanted to eat at a certain place. And so in the back of the car, I thought it would be really smart because I knew my parents would listen and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit that as a little kid in the back of the car, I would be like, this is the Holy Spirit. You should let Rachel choose where to eat lunch today. <laughs> and they played along because they're awesome parents. And so it worked, it worked quite a few times. Um, but, you know, there was even things like we would pray. They would tell me, like, Black Friday. You know, like, we want a good parking spot. Like, pray for a good parking spot. I'd pray for a good parking spot. And we would get a good parking spot. I mean, it was such a normal part of our lives to be praying, to be seeking the Holy Ghost and those things. That was kind of the, that was kind of the, the answer to everything. Like, if we wanted something like, boy, I sure hope we get a good parking spot. Okay, we'll pray about it. Pray mm -hmm. that we get one. Yeah. Boy, I sure hope the, the weather doesn't rain during the, you know, whatever, the party outside. Well, pray <laughs> that it doesn't. You know yeah. what I mean? Everything yeah. was, hey, if you want something done, pray. You know, use, use your authority, use the stuff that we've taught you, and make it happen. 
Yeah. One of the biggest stories that I can remember with that too was um, my parents surprised me. I don't. I think you were out of the house at this point when we did the surprise trip to Disneyland in yeah. one day. He couldn't. So go yet, yeah, though. Isaac couldn't go. So um, we were sitting at Taco Bell on Horizon Drive. I was preteen, teenager, somewhere around there, and. My parents looked at me and were like, we were talking about going to Disneyland because my cousin and his family had just gone to Disneyland for their first time. And so they were like, hey, we should go to Disneyland. And of course me, I'm like, sure, let's go. And they're like, like, let's go right now. And I was like, seriously? So my mom gets on the phone. We booked the plane tickets. Within like three hours, we're at the airport and we are flying California. It was one of the best trips ever. Um, and we had, a, we had to stop in, I think we were in Salt Lake. And um, we're in Salt Lake and we were on standby. And so we were hoping to get on this flight and because again we booked these tickets just a few hours earlier well the flight was full and so my dad and i we just prayed we were like i want to be in disneyland today i don't want to wait one more day and so we prayed okay so the flight was booked the doors were shut if you guys have ever been to an airport when the doors close guess what they're closed like that's it the plane's boarded and they had like 14 people on standby ahead Ahead of us us. yeah because you could see like the name so like no way on earth should we have been able to get on this flight but we prayed I think my mom was even a little hesitant on this I told, one. I pulled John aside and I said, why did you agree with her in that prayer? You know we are not getting on that flight. <laughs> it's already boarded. The doors are shut. There's 14 people ahead of us. Why did you pray with her about that? Yeah, so me of doubt. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, so anyways, wow. doors are closed. We're kind of just hanging out there because the plane hasn't left yet. And then on the intercom, what do we hear? Like, you know, John Capetto, party of three, come up to the ticket counter. So we go up there and they're like, there's three seats. I don't think they were all together. No. But there was three seats on the plane. They gave them to the three of us. They opened the doors back up. We got to go on the plane. And we people were in, moved and, and let, let us sit, sit together. together. And so, yeah, so prayer works. And those are the kind of things you need to be teaching your kids. That's, um, that, like Isaac said, that was our childhood very much so. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the second point. Um, I kind of wanted to introduce this one. The second point was that I really think my parents did a fantastic job with is teaching us um, there's a difference between isolating your kids from the world and insulating your kids with the word of God. Um, And so that's why I have this pop can up here. It's not because I'm going to drink it, as tempting as that looks. Um, So I remember hearing this when I was at a youth conference. And the speaker was talking about the difference between isolating from the world and being insulated with the word of God. And so this is full of pop right now. And so if I was trying to squeeze this, or if I had my brother try to squeeze this, it's, it's not doing anything. Why? Because there's pop inside of it. Um, but if it was empty, you all know, if I was to squeeze this empty, it would just crumble. And that's so much how children are growing up. You know, the pressures of the world are always there. That is one thing that you're never going to be free from in this life is the pressures of this world. And my parents did a really good job in a time frame. I think in the 90s, a lot of um, Christian parents were maybe more isolating their kids from the world because they didn't want the, the scariness of the world and of all these things to, you know, infiltrate into their children and cause them to, you know, go crazy with worldly things. My parents didn't do that. Um, instead, what they did was they insulated us with the word of God. And so when we would watch things... Um, Back in the 90s, a lot of Disney movies that came out had, you know, some magic in them or things like that. And a lot of parents um, were not letting their kids watch those movies. But my parents would let us watch them in the sense, as long as they were good movies. We're not talking about like crazy horror movies or anything like that. But those cartoons and what they did was they would instruct us like, hey, this is a type of the Holy Spirit. Or, hey, this, because the fact of the matter is there is demonic powers out there and there are things that are not okay. But instead of isolating us from that and not exposing us to some of those things... 
um, they would just tell us the truth about those things. So we would grow up not being afraid. Uh, just yesterday, um, my brother did a TikTok because he's a TikToker. Don't ask me why. But um, he had his daughter do all this like face paint on him to make him look weird for something. And my one-year-old son is looking at him and you can tell he's not sure what to think about his face. And so immediately what I did was I was like, that's funny, haha. Instead of being like, ooh, that's scary. I immediately wanted him to see something other than being scared. And that's so what you guys did with us growing mm -hmm. up. You never let us um, experience things in fear. You would always show us the truth about those things. Um, and so, I mean, there's so many examples right. of that, but you had one. Yeah, one of, the, one of the stories I remember is when Rachel was um, pretty small. She was in school, and their class was going to go to the moon farm. And if you've ever been to the moon farm, there's a witch's castle there. And so here, this is a Christian school. And so I had like three or four of the little girls I was in charge of. And the teacher, the Christian teacher, gets us all together. And she says, now, like, kids, don't go to the witch's castle. Don't go by there. Witches are scary and they're evil. And she was putting all this fear. And so all these little kids are going, oh, the witch's castle, oh, witches. And I just, it didn't set well with me at all. And so I told her, I said, I'm going to take Rachel and we're going to go to the witch's castle. Now, I couldn't take all the kids because I wasn't in charge of all of them, but I was in charge of her. And so I marched her over and I talked to her about it. And I said, now, we are not purposely going to go to a real witch's castle and walk in her house unless the Holy Ghost leads us to do that, to be a witness. But I said, we are not going to be afraid of witches. We have authority over them. We can plead the blood of Jesus. We can rebuke the evil. And so that's one way we taught and trained our kids not to be afraid of the evil. Right. If you're confronted with it, rebuke it. Yeah. Who's in you is greater than who, who is in the witch's castle. Amen. Another thing that I remembered was the movie um, Lion King when it came out. There were some Christian parents who were just freaked out because the little monkey guy like shakes his leaves or whatever and he can see the future of the, the lion and, and then he marks him or something. And people were like, ooh, that's like voodoo and all that stuff, you know, and they wouldn't let their kids watch it. Well, we brought out and taught our kids how that's like a prophet of God who can foresee the future and anoint the king. And, you know, so it's all in how you how you present it to your kids don't ever let them be in a fearful fear a reverent fear that's one thing but not it don't ever let them be afraid of anything don't one time we were at disneyland and there was this little kid acting up in front of us and the dad actually said if you don't stop acting like that when we get into the the haunted mansion we're going to leave you in there with the ghost oh my gosh. terrified this little kid we took our kids into the haunted mansion at Disneyland, but we taught them what's real. Now, sometimes those kind of things can really happen, but we have authority over it. But to scare your kids and make them think if they're bad, you're going to leave them with the evil ghost? How terrible is that? But anyway, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. Well, and I think you guys did a good job, too, because there are times where you do need to say enough's enough with the world. I mean, and that's what yeah. I think was so good is you know, it was kind of like you guys were opposite of a lot of parents nowadays because you guys would confront those issues that a lot of Christian parents would stay away from. But then there were other things that maybe would affected our attitudes or things like that that you were not okay with. Yes. So, like the Ninja the Turtle. Um, for me, I don't remember this one, but I have heard the story many times that when I was a real little girl, um, Gilligan's Island, we would watch it. 
And then one day I started acting like one of the girls on there, Ginger, Ginger, who is the little flirt or whatever. And so me, little girl, I started acting like her. I don't, did I tie my shirt up too? Is that the story? Like, and so when that happened, my parents like, okay, no, because they didn't want to get that attitude, seeing that in me, the little flirt who does those things. Um, Another thing I remember still to this day, it was very sad for me, was the day my parents told me I could no longer watch the Power Rangers. Because uh, I could watch Power Rangers. And it was like my favorite show. Like my cousin and I, he's in the room today. We were all about the Power Rangers. All, like big time. But they did start bringing some stuff into it after. You know, it's kind of like anything in the world. They always get you with the innocent stuff. And then once you get hooked, then the TV shows start yeah. adding more stuff. You can watch a first season of a TV show and you're like, this is awesome. Second season, the first episode, you're like, what the heck? Where did that come from? And that's kind of what they did with the Power Rangers was they started adding more stuff in it that wasn't okay. And so my parents were kind of like, all right, we're done with that. And that one was a hard one for me. I might have still gone to my cousin's house a few times and watched a few of the episodes, but that's a story for another day. But um, so really parents, you, again, you have to be led as parents about what's appropriate and what's not, what, you know, to let your kids experience under your shelter and under your control, because you are in control of your kids when they're younger. But then also realizing those things that have the attitude. I was thinking about this on the way over here today. I didn't share this one with you, but um, I would always listen to Christian music. Like growing up, that was, I didn't know necessarily that there were other bands out there until I became a preteen in middle school. And then the band came out in sync. My band back in the day. Um, I might have been in love with, yeah, one of them. But, and um, so when the first album came out, you know, this is how I got my parents to let me buy the CD. They have a song that talks about God in it because it said God must have spent a little more time on you. So I got the album. It was like my first secular album. Um, and I, I was one of those girls, became obsessed with them. Never saw them in concert, but I was obsessed. But this is the cool thing about my, what my parents did. They allowed me to do that. But, you know, again, everything kind of starts off innocently. But as they progressed as a band, they started singing songs that I knew were not okay. And over time, I stopped. That was the only album I bought was the first one. I stopped listening to, to them as much. And then eventually it got to the place where I just didn't even care anymore because they were going down a path that wasn't right for me anymore but it's because again they didn't isolate me they insulated me so as those things started happening I started seeing for myself hey some of these lyrics aren't okay some of these things aren't okay and so that's really I think was such a benefit for us is to just know when to say okay this isn't okay but then to know when to say you've got the Holy Ghost and you can start to grow in some of these areas well and it's really smart on their part for for doing that too because as we're as they're putting more of the responsibility on us to make those decisions for ourselves, they're saying, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to teach you what's right and what's wrong, and then you do whatever you think. Yeah. You follow your heart. Yeah. <laughs> follow your heart. <laughs> and what that does <clears throat> is whenever we don't get to do something that we want to do because we know it's not right, it's on us. We can't get mad. We can't say, right. oh, mom wouldn't let me do that. It's, it's more, hey, I'm choosing not to do this because I know it's not the right thing to do. So it's actually kind of genius, a uh, genius way to do it. Keep your kids from getting mad at you. And just don't tell them you can't do it. Say, I'm not going to tell you what you can or can't do. Follow your heart. I've taught you right and wrong. You do what you know is right. And I'm telling you from a kid's standpoint, oh, yeah, that conviction. I still feel the cringe when you, every time you say it, follow your heart. Follow your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just like, ah. <laughs> Can I get my ear pierced? Follow your heart. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the third point, and this is the last one. um, We just wanted to share some examples of just life issues um, and then also 
growing up in the ministry, there were some issues with that as well. And again, my parents just, um, I keep saying they did such a great job. And what, what did they do a great job with? With listening to the Holy Ghost on how to raise us and how to handle some of these issues that come up. Because whether we like it or not, most PKs, pastor's kids, are not in a good place if they've grown up in the church. A lot of them kind of rebel against it and kind of do their own thing. A lot of prodigals in those situations. And that never happened with us. And again, I think it's because they did put some of the responsibility on us. We learned to make it our own at a young age. It wasn't just mommy and daddy's faith. They, you know, they put it in us and let us learn that it was part of our faith as well. So um, lots of things with ministry stuff. Uh, lots of stories about that. And so I'll let you guys kind of start with some of the things that okay. happened and how we handled it. Um, well, one thing is, as pastors, you know, there's issues in the church and sometimes people get offended and sometimes people write you naughty letters and they get mad and they storm out of your church or whatever. Our kids never knew about any of it. Our kids, we never told them anything negative that anybody in the church ever said to us or did to us. We protected them from that. Um, never did. We never did share it with them. And um, uh, another example I thought of um, was when Isaac was in school. Isaac was a senior. He was about to graduate, and he had long hair. How long was your hair? Down my shoulders. <laughs> and he was, you know, playing guitar, being in a band, and he wanted his long hair. He's just a few months away from graduating high school, and the principal calls us and says, we have had some parents complain about Isaac's hair. They think it's too long. And so we're going to ask you to consider cutting his hair. This was a Christian and school. And this was a Christian yeah. school. And I said, and we went and we, John and I met with the, the principal and we said, um, is there a rule or, or a guideline or something in the handbook that says that boys can't have long hair? And he said, no, we have no guidelines concerning boy's hair um, but we've had some parents complain and um, I said well okay um, I wanted to say some things I didn't say you know <laughs> but um, we said well you know what since you are the authority in this school and you have asked us to cut his hair we will have Isaac cut his hair I said now how's Isaac's great well Isaac was like a 4.0, you know, smart. Both of the kids did great in school. And um, they said, oh, no, our teachers just love Isaac. He's very um, obedient. He's a, he's a good student. He's, he's just amazing. They just love him to death, they said. And um, I'd rather him love him to life because I don't like that term. But that's what they said. They just said, they went on and they said, everybody loves Isaac. And I said, well, I think it's unfortunate that my son is being judged on his hair length rather than all these other things. However, since you are the authority in this school, we will submit to that. And so Isaac got his hair cut short. And you may say, well, but you didn't have to. It wasn't a rule. It wasn't a guideline. Um, in fact, one of the parents that complained about it, their son shaved his head and his eyebrows and looked like um, a skinhead. And... You know, so they were okay with their son doing that, but they didn't want my son to have long hair. But you know what? When we talked to Isaac about it, we just said, your principal, the authority of your school has asked that we do this, and so we're going to do it. We did not tell him, well, but those parents, blah, 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 and that principal, blah, blah, blah. We did not show him any rebellion against the authority. 
because you know what? He grew his hair out later. And I will say that that, um, that and, and other things like that really did help shape, like I, I can say that even to this day, I kind of have this, this um, thing about respecting authority figures, whether I agree with them or not. I kind of have a thing, you know, whether yeah. political party, whoever's president, whether I agree with them or not, um, you know, um, I, I just have respect for that position. Yeah. Even if I can, I can, I can know what it's like to have respect for that position without uh, necessarily saying that that means I agree with everything that they do. So whether yeah. it's an employer, whether it's a political figure, whether it's um, somebody in, in any situation, if they're in a position of leadership or authority, I kind of have this yeah. respect for them. And I think it's, it's examples like that, that is, is what kind of instilled that in me. Mm -hmm. So I still even to this day carry that, carry That's that awesome. over. Well, in talking about that, when I was a little girl, um, again, my parents did a good job. And I say shelter, and I mean this, again, in the right way. They sheltered us from the things we didn't need to know about, um, like financial issues in our home or in the ministry. I never knew that. For us, it was always if we wanted something or something was going on, we were believing God for it. It was never – it's like I never grew up thinking we – didn't have it. It was just an opportunity to believe God for something that in my mind, I never, I never saw the, the part of it that we didn't have it. I just saw us believing for whatever it is we were believing for, which is awesome. I can't wait to instill that into my kids. But I remember even as a little girl, uh, the president, when I was a little girl, there was a big scandal going on about it. You know, nowadays it seems like all kids know about everything that's going on politically. And, you know, back in that time, my parents, I didn't know what was happening with our president and, you know, stuff that was going on. And I just didn't know about it. It was everywhere. I'm sure a lot of other kids in my class knew about it and things. And I remember hearing things, but like it never came from home. If I heard things, it came from outside the home. And then my parents were able to address it if I brought it up. Um, I remember, you know, lots of different times because my parents were smart in what they allowed us to like watch and things like that. That I mean, I remember coming home and asking my mom questions at times from things I would hear from other friends um, and ask her about it. I remember asking what the F word was because I didn't know what it was and I felt like I was at the age where I should know. My mom's like, you don't need to know. I was like, okay. So, but I mean, I didn't grow up. It's so sad because so many kids nowadays, we didn't hear that word on our TV. We didn't watch movies that had that kind of language in it. Um, and so, and I'm glad that they sheltered us in those areas because that is not something that kids need to grow up needing to know. Um, and so in those areas we were sheltered and maybe at times as a teen, did I feel like maybe I didn't know as much as other people? Maybe, but now looking back, what did that mean? You know what I mean? It, what, that was really nothing. Mm -hmm. But um, they were really good at sheltering us from issues. You know, parents, you think about like what's going on right now in the world and in our country um, politically. And there's a lot of opinions out there. I have very strong opinions about it. Um, but that doesn't mean our kids need to hear about all of it. What do they need to hear? That God's got us, that he's protecting us, that we're, you know, we plead the blood over our family, that we, that no financial difficulties, that no viruses, that nothing, you know, will come near us. We quote Psalms 91 over us and over our son every day. Um, and that's the kind of home that we grew up in. So does life issues happen? Yeah. Did you know, growing up as a kid, did we have on our family nights, which my parents were very good about having a family night once a week. I mean, it was awesome. Um, it was so much fun. But I remember a family night where we were getting ready to go out the door and a church member comes and their brother had just committed suicide. So we had to take a pause. Um, you know, lots of times we would have people come to the house and interrupt things. And my parents just did a really good job balancing that out. You know, you hear about pastors where, um, you know, work, is it takes over from the family time. My parents were really good about family vacations, 
and really good about having our family time. And yeah, we would go to the movies. We would, it's not like we were, you know, kept out of the world. We would go have fun. We'd go play miniature golf. We would do all those fun things. Um, so I don't feel like I missed out on anything. In fact, I feel like I have a really great childhood um, in a Christian home. When so many kids felt deprived of things being in a Christian home, I felt like we got to experience a lot of great things um, because of that. And so it's just, they just did a really good job listening to the Holy Ghost and knowing how to balance life's issues um, and family issues. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the one of the smart things they did also was um, they they made church part of the family type yeah. thing like i mean it, it was very common for us um you know in the last building or whatever when we first bought it, it had to it, it was a bar that we turned into a church and it just had a lot of renovations a lot of stuff that need to have happen and uh, sometimes as a family we would go down there and just and do things whether it's painting or cleaning or doing whatever it was and, and that was kind of so you know the the church and the ministry was also part of the family yeah. um i thought that was a, a pretty a pretty smart thing and 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 then I, I, the last story that I have is, and I think I've shared this before, but it's something that to this day still really um, impacts me. And that is um, kind of what Rachel was saying is how we were kind of, sh- we never heard we don't have enough money. And later on, when I got older, I found out that there were times when we didn't have money. But I did. I never knew that. We never knew that because it was never, we can't afford that. It was never, we don't have enough money. Like Rachel said, everything was, well, you want to go to go to Disneyland? Oh, well, believe. You want to get a new video game? Well, great. Why don't you believe for it? It was never, ah, oh, we can't afford that. It's, okay, what are you going to do to believe for it? But I remember when um, one time when I was pretty young, I was still pretty young, we were on Mesa, and um, we delivered, um, we went grocery shopping. We had all of our groceries that we just bought, and we walked over to a neighbor's house and gave her all of our groceries. And I can still remember the look on her face um, to this day, even though I was a little kid. And I mean, I think she even cried um, when we gave her these groceries. And, and, and for me, I just thought, oh, well, yeah, this is what you do. This is what we do. We give to other people. We help other people out. What I found out later was that was all of our groceries. We didn't have money to get more. We didn't have any more food. Now, to this day, I still don't know what, what happened or how we got food because I never, certainly never went hungry. I never knew. But that was just the kind of the way, the way we were raised. We, we never knew that there was any kind of lack if there was because we were always told that God would provide for us and he always did. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I never, not only did I, was I not aware of us not having money or, or food or whatever because we gave it all away, but um, I never even experienced the results of having lack because God always took care of us. Yeah. yeah. So I always appreciated that. Yeah. That sticks with me. Definitely. So, I mean, so in saying that, I know it's Mother's Day and we've talked a lot about both of our parents, but... Um, you know, our mother has been a mother. I was trying to think of like any avenue that a mother could experience different things. And I feel like you've pretty much hit all of them. You've experienced um, having a sick child, you know, a sick grandchild. You've experienced, you know, hurts. You've experienced um, the death of your mother. You know, you've, you've experienced so much. Um, and so she has so much wisdom in this. And so um, this is really just a tribute to say thank you. Um, I said it in the Facebook video, and I, I was joking, but at the same time, I'm not going to dismiss the amazingness of my mother that you did a great job, you know. And I, We're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying that for her benefit, not for our benefit. But no, for, I mean, and your grandkids, and just like Proverbs says, you know, your children and grandchildren rise up and call you blessed. It's, it's the truth. You did a great job. Um, and she has a lot of wisdom in these areas. So whenever she gets up here and speaks, mothers, listen. Because um, she's speaking from experience and from wisdom. Because her children literally and her grandchildren call her blessed. I mean, absolutely. that's absolutely nice.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 